All right, everybody, welcome back to the Friday Night Dinner Podcast, the, the penultimate episode of The Revival, which I guess isn't that dramatic when you think it's only four episodes. This okay. isn't... Uh, penultimate is just like a really cool word. It, it sounds cooler to say, but then you realize, well, it's the third of the four episodes, so yeah, it's, uh, yeah. But they don't have another revival on the book, so this is it. Yeah. I, I'll be curious what you think if we should have another revival after we've, we finish watching this, but I'm I'm a little on the fence. I'm a little like, do I need more or am I okay with what we got? So, yeah. Um, but yeah, with me as always is Dr. Stephanie Sarkis, PhD. You can find over at stephaniesarkis.com. I can't remember if I mentioned that, but let's just say it again. Why not? Uh, and yeah, we're talking about the third episode of a year in the life which some people refer to as season eight and i'm like no technically it's its own thing like when you look it up on netflix it's it's not season eight of gilmore girls it's a year mm-hmm. in the life so so if you're a little confused why we don't refer to it as season eight it's because technically it's not um yeah and uh also written and directed by daniel paladino uh kind of the short gist of it is Rory tries to save the Star's Hollow Gazette and uh, Lorelai sits on an advisory committee for Taylor's musical and uh, yeah we kind of get a little bit of return of Jess yes and here's the thing I think like people who are team Jess like myself who are very pro Jess it's um, I, I think some people are like why like if you watch the original series and you haven't seen the revival i think it doesn't quite add up why someone would be pro jess but um yeah alas but he pushes her to be more like he would he would probably give her a really good talk about what are you doing with your life and he and here's the thing like jess has changed he was he was fantastic in this i thought like and I think when you watch the revival, he's a more mature person. Like, mm-hmm. and yeah, I, think... I love that the Gazette star, uh, staff person was like, oh, yeah, I remember you. You know, like they did a little mention of his bad boy past. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. No, that's uh, that was part of the fun of this is, yeah, watching them uh, go through that. But, uh, yeah. So, um,. But yeah, also written and directed by Daniel, Daniel Palladino, who, I, I don't know. This episode is really rife with a lot of issues. Um, a lot of uh, body shaming and stuff like that. It's, it's, it's quite a bit. And then, also too, this episode has a large focus on a musical. And uh, the musical stuff... I won't lie, I fast-forwarded through those parts. I, I, I do really too. I, now, I had, like... I've seen those parts before, so I don't. I know I'm not missing much, but anytime I come to the revival, I always just skip those scenes because they're just pointless. Like it's like I've 18 seen, minutes. It's like, yeah. Wow, really? 18 minutes of just musicalness. Now there is some <laughs> cool stuff there. Um, for instance, the girl that plays the lead singer, um, mm-hmm. she was the she lead actress in Bunheads, mm-hmm. which was another show by Amy Sherman Palladino. Uh-huh. Yeah, which I thought was kind of funny because I've seen Bunheads, at least uh, a portion of it, and uh, in it, the 
that actress plays a character very like akin to Lorelai, like very similar in a lot of ways. Oh, really? Similar character oh, traits. Sorry. Mm -hmm. That that's interesting. I like how she reuses or hires some of the same people she's worked with. She's got like a real loyalty to some of her. Yeah. Actors and actresses. And stuff. But um, yeah, we uh, we kind of. Yeah, kind of get to see a little bit more of like what's going on in their lives, and I don't know Lorelai uh, goes for this thing, and yeah, it doesn't really like work out too well. But then she starts to get a little, I don't know, kind of frustrated with her life, and um, you know, also too, uh, Rory wants to write a a book about their life, and Lorelai says no, which I was kind of like, that seemed a little weird for Lorelai to say no to that. She was condescending when she said, this ain't it, kid, or something. Yeah. And, you know, she says kid in the series, and it's, it, it isn't so much of a condescending thing, but this was like, she was, it's like she was boiling under the surface. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can tell she really didn't like that Rory wants to write this book, and part of me right. thinks, like, it's a job. Like, she'll be working. Uh, right. Right. Like, I don't know. I was like, I, I saw it as a positive, and, uh... Yeah, but Lorelai was like, "No, I don't want to. I don't want to write this." Or I don't want you. Yeah, it was an this. interesting character shift. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was there to. And just, I wonder I, how much it has to do with Emily reading it. Oh, go ahead. I think it was. It almost seemed like it was kind of there just to make drama. Mm-hmm. Well, we seen that before. Yeah. yeah. April. And, oh yeah, we did get to the return of April. Which is a drama-causing person from season seven. <laughs> Which is funny because nobody really liked her in the in the previous seasons, mm -hmm. and in this, like, it seems like the show had no reverence for her at all. Like, I don't know, it just seemed like it just seemed like she was there for the sake of being there. And even when she was talking to Rory, like, I think when you're watching the original show, it's like, oh, she's like a young uh, version of Rory, like very similar in a lot of ways. But then in this, they show that they're completely different, like. But she kind of is because she talked about how she really has no idea what she's doing with her life. Mm -hmm. So they actually are, even though they're what ten years apart. Yeah. They um they are they both don't know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And yeah. just that nobody has it together, right? So she looked when she was at the table, she was like, "I'm doing this, that, and I met with what, Noam Chomsky, and da da da, and then then it all falls apart. Mm -hmm. so, and she has a panic attack. So. Nobody has the dream life that they expected. Yeah. Speaking of not having the dream they wanted, Rory has to end her affair with Logan when Odette moves in with Logan. So. That's... And Lane helps. Yeah. I mean, we should all have a friend like that. Oh, 100%. <laughs> you know that... Yeah. Yeah. Um... Although it does get into trying to fix Rory's problems, but. In and... part of me is rude. Here's what I don't get either. Like, when Rory gets the job that starts Hollow Gazette, uh, she's told that there's no pay, and I'm like, well, wouldn't the money, wouldn't the newspaper be bringing in some kind of, like, ad revenue or something? Like, it seemed a little weird that there was, like, nothing in terms of pay. Like, yeah, right. it probably wouldn't have been much, but... Maybe they're just seeing if she would accept that. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And it, it's interesting, too, that, like, with Jess suggesting the book and then Lorelai disagreeing with it. Like a part of it did seem like it was a little bit built in with that 
idea that Lorelai does not like Jess. So when she found out mm-hmm. Jess just in the book, she's like, no. Like, I thought that was kind yeah, of interesting. Yeah, she still got some stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, Michelle tells Lorelai that he plans on leaving the Dragonfly uh, and gives her three months to find a replacement. So It's interesting in this episode that a lot of, like, there was a lot kind of going up against Lorelai. So when she makes the decision at the end of the episode to go and do this hike in California, it felt mm. very, it, I felt like it was very natural that she just kind of felt the walls kind of caving in. And she does what Lorelai would typically do, which is either she run away go. or, you know, get sarcastic. But in this she case, nasty, yeah, yeah, exactly. When things are too much, she tends to just kind of walk away. So, um, I did like the scene where Emily's got the TV in in the room now, and she's got like the little TV tray and everything. I thought that was pretty funny. Right, right. Yeah. The potential suitor. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's a normal reaction that Lorelai had. That there's mm. somebody that you know that her dad's died, and there might be somebody dating her mom. I mean that that kind of reaction is very normal. Yeah. Also, too, we uh, find out that Lorelai hasn't been telling Luke about the therapy sessions, truthfully. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you think about that? Uh, I, well, obviously Lorelai not telling the truth is a pretty big thing. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think Luke has a right to be um, weary after what happened with Christopher. So... I don't know. What did you think? I felt like, you know, on one hand, that's a private thing. So I'm, I wasn't quite sure why Luke was hurt by that. But now that you say that, I can understand why. It's because they, there's a history of withholding of information mm-hmm. on both sides. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And they talk about how their lives seem like kind of separate, even though they're together. Um, so, yeah. And then, something that happens after in a long-term relationship. Yeah. And sometimes that could be healthy. Sometimes it could be not healthy. But... Mm-hmm. I mean, at least from where I see with the two of them, it seems relatively healthy. But obviously, mm-hmm. uh, Emily... Or, uh, sorry, Lorelai doesn't see it that way. Um, oh, and also, too, Luke didn't tell Lorelai that she, uh, they were looking for real estate franchising for the diner. So... He was keeping some things too, to be fair. And um, yeah, the episode ends with uh, Lorelai kind of having enough of everything, and she just decides she's gonna go do this trail based on the book Wild, which I've never read the book, so it's a little lost on me. But it's it's somebody that hiked um, is a you know I, similar to Epre Love, where she goes um, her marriage is ending, so she travels. Um, it's a hike through a woman hikes through the Appalachian uh, Trail, um, I think by herself or with various people. I think by herself. I haven't read the book, but as a way to kind of dis like kind of to uh, disconnect from phones and social media and to really kind of examine her life, the decisions that got her to where she's at. And mm-hmm. I think it was is it a movie? It was produced by. Reese Witherspoon, or she was in it, or something. I can't. Yeah. Okay. Uh, who is your favorite and least favorite performance from this episode? 
The best was Luke, I thought. I thought, like, his exasperation about Lorelai withholding the therapy from him was, was uh, well played. And I think also just the, the fact that, wait a second, he hasn't been truthful either. I think he was the way he played that was good. So, yeah. About the franchise, but how about you? Oh, oh I didn't say my other one. Uh, worst Rory. Just didn't do anything. Mm. Uh, best, I would say, was, um, probably, yeah, I would go with Luke, too. I mean, I would say Luke or Emily. I'll go with Emily, actually, just to shake it up a bit, but, I mean, Luke was great, too, but Emily's had such, uh, great moments in this, especially when mm -hmm. we see her, like, just uh, not sure what to do, and she's just making changes in her life, okay. and she's not 100% sure about them, but she's just mm -hmm. adjusting to life as best she can. Right. I thought they did a good job of portraying that, so. Mm -hmm. And she is softening a little. Mm -hmm. uh, and then least favorite, I'll go with uh, April. Because that. Mm -hmm. I think, like, it's like the show is acknowledging that people don't like her. And I think that's what happens with shows like this where they take a big <laughs> break and they come back and they know that certain, like, a large group of people just don't like this character. So then they just kind of. I think in this case they were acknowledging it, but also they didn't do anything to really fix it. So she was just being as obnoxious as she was before, if not more. And uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think it played too well. So, um, all right. What was your uh, favorite reference from the episode? Uh, favorite reference was um, the Nora Ephron neck comment. So. It's Rory says it to the people at the paper, and she says something about like, yeah, Nora, you know, you've been doing this since Nora Ephron was okay with her neck. Nora Ephron, one of my favorite uh, writers, um, she wrote Heartburn and just book upon book. Um, she wrote a book called "I'm Not Feeling Good About My Neck," and it was about her aging, mm -hmm. and it's it's great. So, so I really like that. Mm -hmm. How about you? Um, I guess, like, the, there was a line where, uh, Sutton Foster's character, Violet, the lead singer, makes a comment about, like, uh, Lorelai being similar to her, and I thought that was just very mm. funny, because in Buntheads, her character is pretty similar to Rory, or sorry, to Lorelai, so, that got, that was, like, a pretty meta reference, so. Sutton Foster's on some, like, one or, one or two, three, four Tonys. Yeah. Well regarded yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's pretty good in Bunheads, even though I do argue that yeah, she's a little too similar to Lorelai, but they acknowledge that in this hub, which I thought was pretty funny. Mm-hmm. Um favorite quote. What was your favorite quote from this episode? I like the way that Lorelai handles when she makes jokes and they fall flat. Like she took the I forget what, what a utensil was on the table, but she's like, Is this thing on? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, Taylor has a line where he says, "Shellfish get better with age." Everyone knows that. So that was great. Um, all right. Behind the scenes trivia. Let's see what we got for this episode. Um, so yeah, the actors in the Star Solo musical, Sutton Foster and Christian Borrow, uh, used to be married. This is the first time they performed together since their divorce. And there's a, he was, he had a relationship with Laura Bell Bundy, who was also a Broadway actress. And I think that led to their marriage breaking up. 
So not only did they divorce, but there was another party involved. Mm. So can you imagine how difficult that must be to, to work together? Yeah. After that? I mean, maybe they've already worked through their stuff, but that's got to be rough. Mm -hmm. But he's also an accomplished Broadway. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's see. Um, uh, the picture of the man that is next to Rory's desk at the Stars Hall, is that where she flips the picture frame around in front of Jess because he doesn't want to look at her like this as journalist David Carr. So, a little, little obscure, but... Um, uh, try to see here. According to the article Rory reads from the Gazette, at least at the time of her arrival to Stars Hollow, the then unknown Lorelai was identified as Lorelai. Okay. Wait, what? Oh, the article about her and the baby? Okay. Yeah. Uh, Brad Ellis, who's also known as Brad the Piano Guy in Glee, makes a reappearance in this episode. He also had a cameo in the original seasons, too. I think we've talked about him before. He's, he's a yeah, like pretty prominent yeah. piano guy. Um, okay. A lot of musical references. Uh, when Rory and Lorelai are drinking at the Star Hollow Gazette, Rory says, let's have another round tonight. This is a line in the song, The Story of Tonight from Hamilton, an American musical. So. That would have come out like a year before. Yeah. Uh, Sutton Foster and Kelly Bishop both appear in this episode and they both appeared in the TV show Bunheads. So, there's that. And that's pretty much it. Um, any mental health observations from this episode? Yeah, so here's the thing where, the, where this isn't entirely accurate. So, uh, the therapist. So, I have on my consent form that if I see you out in public, I'm not going to say hi to you first because I leave that up to the client if they want to say hi or mm -hmm. if they want to introduce me to whoever they're with. Otherwise, um, I tell people my consent that if I see you and I don't say anything, that's to protect your privacy. It's not that I'm being a jerk. I'm, just, I'm protecting your privacy. Yeah. Because sometimes, um, most times people do say hi to me um, or they'll introduce their family to me or their friends. Because especially if I work with kids, because you get to be like kind of part of the family. Um, so we really aren't supposed to say hello first like this therapist did. Because um, that was kind of awkward, right? Because she's with Rory and this therapist goes, hi. And, and then... I mean, Lorelai did is the one that said, "Oh, this is my therapist is saying this is my friend," um, but still, uh, my what I was taught in ethics and counseling is that you do not say hi first, and you let them know, right? You let clients know so that they aren't like, "Why can't my therapist say hi to me?" Um, and also, we're not allowed to ask for favors, like put a put a word in with me with the director, or whatever. We are not allowed to do that. Mm -hmm. So, so those are two big things that, that that's a boundary crossing. Um, so we wouldn't do that. Um, and also the, the fat shaming that Daniel Palladino engages in, I guess we shouldn't be surprised, but really no place for that in today. Today's, you know, this day and age. Yeah. And I like too, that the 30 something gang, that their parents all get together to, to help them out. And I thought it was more of a support system rather than a fixing, which was helpful support support groups are helpful. 
Um, but if it's uh, trying to do stuff for the kids, that's different. But it just seemed like they probably needed to talk about what it was like having their kids live back with them because maybe they weren't expecting that. And that there's such a number of people that because of the job market um, and just the cost of housing are living with their parents. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think the I think the show acknowledged that, but also they they ridiculed it, which I don't think there's a place for that either. No, it's weird because the show ridicules that kind of stuff, but then at the same time, Rory, who kind of participates in that, goes by and there's not too much in the way of talk about it. So I don't know. It seems not entirely. And for some reason, she doesn't include herself in this in this group. Yeah. So. So there's a little bit of a denial there. Yeah, and that's what I'm like. On paper, I don't mind them making that kind of commentary, but it, you need to do it for everybody, not just this like group of characters, the 30-something gang, but for also Rory, too, because she's in that as well. So, okay. um, Anything else before we wrap this episode up? Okay. Oops, we almost forgot to rate this episode. Well, uh, what would you rate this episode a score of? Give um I give this one a, a six for the overall revival. Um I want to know why the pool was not mentioned any time before this, and apparently the pool's been around a long time. But there could have been some great scenes by the pool in the series. Yeah. So I give it yeah I give it a six or a seven. How about you? Uh, I don't particularly like this episode. It feels like there's just a lot of filler with the stuff and the um musical and like See, I fast forwarded through all that so it's probably brought it to a 6 or 7 <laughs> yeah yeah exactly like I don't know it just kind of felt like some of that stuff just felt really unnecessary I mean yeah even skipping past it it was like yeah I wasn't quite a fan of it um I would give this probably like a 4 out of 10 yeah um yeah I, it does help that I've seen Bunheads, I think. It does kind of raise it a little bit, because you're like, hey, that's mm -hmm. the lead from Bunheads. But it's such a okay. obscure reference. I think only, like, real diehard Amy Sherman Palladino fans are going to get that reference. Because nobody really watched mm -hmm. that show. It died a quick death. But, so, yeah. Yeah, it was Yeah. Okay, now we can wrap up this episode. And we're going to do that now. All right. Well, I'm over at threeingreners.com, where almost every other day we've got new content going up. And Steph is over at stephaniesarkis.com, where you can order her new book, Healing from Toxic Relationships. And with that said, we'll see you all next time as we wrap up both Gilmore Girls and A Year in the Life with the episode Fall. Until next time, bye for now.